So welcome to the Fibre Exchange podcast, episode seven. You're listening to me, Mark Balfour, Strategic Business Development Director at City Fibre, and I have with me Steve Porter, Head of Sales for Mobile and Wireless, and also Andrew Sofa, Account Director for Mobile. So listen, we've all worked together in the mobile sector for a few years at City Fibre now and shared some great successes. I guess we're all acquaintances. As I've moved to the consumer side of the business last year, I'm compelled to drop a quote from the 80s Blues Brothers iconic film. We're putting the band back together just for this podcast. So listen, do we have the obligatory black suits, white shirts and black sunglasses? Well, looking around the room, it looks like three white shirts anyway. We all own a mobile phone. Um, in fact, trivia fact number one, um, in 2019, there are over 80 million subscriptions for mobile phones in the UK uh, with a population of just 68 million. So we all have more than one. Looking at the table here today, you can see two plus two. 88% of um, adults have a smartphone now as well. So Steve, how did it all start for City Fiber in the mobile space? Great question. Um, I mean, I think, working in the industry for a number of years, as most people around this table have. Um, We've heard a lot about the kind of government and regulatory view that you probably need at least four mobile operators to form quite a nice, you know, evenly balanced market with fair competition. I think the observation is that we've probably got about one and a half fixed line regulators in this country. So City Fiber are trying to readdress that balance and try and bring us up to something like at least two and a half fixed line operators to bring that kind of competition, because we know the competition stimulates you know, innovation and competition amongst the marketplace. So that's why we're in the sector. And so who are your customers or who are our customers now? And uh, you know, what do we provide them? Yeah, so we work with uh, three of the four UK mobile operators, uh, as well as many of the mutual host uh, providers. And I think you know, one of the things that's most encouraging is the feedback that we get from uh, our clients, our partners, et cetera, where they love the fact that we're not competing with them either directly at the consumer level or within the market level. You know, we're a wholesale business with wholesale partners and direct m and relationships. So I think our, our customers and our partners really take comfort in the fact that we don't compete with them directly. I think the other aspect to it is the fact that we are, as a, as a business, open to offering dark fibre. It's never an ebb and flow type of question um, whether it's something we will offer or not. And it's obviously important within the mobile sector with the technologies that are that are being uh, explored with the MNOs and the neutral host companies that dark fibre is available to them as one of the solutions. Yes, yeah, so Andrew, on that point, you're mentioning dark fibre, and I, I know that uh, Podcast Four, we actually had a really interesting session uh, led by our products team by Paul Heritage Redpath. So for those listeners who want to find out a little bit more about what dark fibre is. Uh, why we offer it and why it's so attractive and the flexibility, please tune into that one as well. But in the meantime, carry on. I think the other side is obviously, you know, to Steve's point earlier, we've got 30% of the UK um, that we're addressing with our, with our infrastructure that we're putting in place. Uh, and with that, I guess it's a great opportunity to offer leading economics um, uh, within the marketplace, which is imperative uh, to any form of uh, you know, mobile infrastructure rollout. So again, that gives us a real sweet spot of 
opportunity there um, uh, as a business. So we touched a little bit about your direct or our direct relationships with the mobile operators, uh, and we also talked about neutral hosts. Some people may not know what a neutral host means, but perhaps perhaps you'd like to describe what is a neutral host and uh, why are we a good partner for them? So uh, neutral host. So traditionally, the mobile operators have relied on turnkey uh, companies to go and help them acquire and design and construct new sites. Um, as the market is looking further into the future, the neutral host, uh, and there's a collection of neutral hosts, you know, they're people with RAN skills, they're people with physical mass site assets. So the whole cluster of businesses that could probably be best described as neutral hosts. And, uh, and their aim and their position in the marketplace is to actually try and bring a great set of economics to the mobile operators. And they all have some material challenges in managing their costs. You know, they're heavily investing in 5G at the moment. Pretty much at the moment, their revenues are going to be flat from doing that until they can get new services and new applications running. The neutral host view of the world is to try and bring multiple operators onto single sites. So effectively, you can build a site that can support all four of the mobile operators in the UK. And that has, as you can probably imagine, some quite attractive commercial appeals. Um, I think there's a fair bit of complexity in it. You know, because all the operators are on a slightly different journey and different timelines. But actually, most of the neutral host operators are large, significant organisations, well-backed, so probably well-placed to take a long-term view, which actually marries into our kind of long-term view of, you know, what we call horizontal infrastructure investment that we think aligns well with the vertical uh, land-based infrastructure. What does densification mean to a customer? Yeah, so Mark, maybe if I can address that one. So from a densification perspective, this is where, in effect, we're trying to remove the traffic from the, the large macro sites that are in the mobile network and infill some of those um, high density or high usage areas within the network where there might be high footfall of, of uh, people moving around, etc., that want to be able to use um, uh, uh, data services which are, which are quite rich. So from an MNO's perspective, where they're um, looking to offer 4G, 5G services and reduce some of the capacity uh, challenges on some of those existing sites, they look to infill and densify the network on that basis. And due, due to the way that we've architected our network, uh, we've got a great opportunity to be close to those locations where the MNO's will look to deliver those services and deliver them in a, a quick and efficient manner, which is imperative to the volumes that will be required uh, for densification. So having fibre everywhere is a crucial component of uh, having to be able to support the densification. Absolutely, I mean fibre five underpins 5G. So looking forward a bit, uh, I mean what do we think the market's going to look like in five years? More fibre, more cell sites, where do we think we're going? Um, definitely both of the aforementioned. <laughs> that, that we think is, uh, is absolutely a, a given, you know, there definitely needs to be a uh, a step change in the uptake of dark fibre for the MNOs. Um, I think there's some other things that the market needs to needs to address and tackle as well. And these are kind of perennial problems that you'll uh, you'll come across if you go to any of the kind of industry events. So there needs to be a lot more collaboration across the supply chain. Yeah, everybody's kind of acting at the moment. It's it's quite a fragmented structure, and um, so we really need to come together if we're going to deliver best economics and best service. You know, we've got some great 
you know, assets and skills in the industry. You know, we need to combine those so that actually the MNO gets you know, the low cost environment they want, the kind of delivery experience that Andrew touched on, you know, which is just order of service and be pretty certain that it's going to turn up um, when they need it. So you know, that's one thing I think it's going to be a lot more collaboration. I think the operators are going to be deploying different products. I think it's going to be a lot more virtualized products, you know, a lot more open around adoption. You know, in five years' time, you'd like to think that environment's matured uh, quite considerably uh, and there'll be quite wide uptake on that. Um, and that will help them, you know, with their cost economics, which I just uh, which I mentioned. But one of the other things that we're working on through a DCMS initiative is making it far easier to get a database of assets that they can potentially use for the whole densification topic because that is going to be meaningful to them and at the moment it's really hard work you know there are great local authority assets that nobody knows where they are what height they are whether they're suitable whether they're new whether they're old and actually the initiative that dcms have put forward which they and uh, dcia um, it's actually, they've got eight trial areas at the moment and eight trial businesses. We're pulling together kind of all the great ideas that we can from industry. And ultimately, we'd like to see in five years, those roll up into an environment where there was a common database with all the information that people need so that when people are trying to select radio sites and solve coverage and capacity problems, they can very quickly and rapidly identify, great, there's fibre over here, great, there's economic fibre over here, which would be important to them. You know, we can deliver fibre in anywhere now, but it's the economics, it's getting that right. Um, and that'll just speed the process enormously and add great value to the marketplace. I think that's an important point you raised, Steve, is, is when you look at densification, the economics are related to the process and the speed of delivery. And if those things aren't efficient, um, then in effect, the costs go up and it's a hindrance to the densification volumes that were that are out there. So I think from our perspective, you know, being able to address all those silos uh, in improving the processes, working with our local council uh, authority relationships, etc., is going to be fundamentally important to making sure that we can drive those efficiencies, can drive those delivery delivery efficiencies and cost efficiencies to be able to support the densification and really make it fly. Yeah, as it's a bit big part of the, uh, of the jigsaw puzzle making the street furniture you know fit into the rest of the program because you can probably source the product you can probably source the connectivity in some fairly regular industry time frames but it's still quite a dark art to actually get the street furniture assets the council relationship moving etc so there's a, there's a long way to go on so andrew why did you join city fiber in the first place Oh, well, that's a good question, Mark. I mean, uh, I think, you know, following a, a, a really excellent interview process. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, Mark actually was one of the, one of the people obviously I was uh, being interviewed by. Um, we, uh, I was really keen to make sure that um, the, the, the organisation that I was looking to join had the right kind of uh, values and culture outside of the, the market opportunity uh, side of things. So from my perspective, obviously, the fact that City Fiber wasn't uh, competing against mobile operators, uh, et cetera, presented a great opportunity, which obviously lifted my head up in interest. Um, but outside of that, then it really comes down to the company and the culture. And I think one of the things that was really important to me was to you know, validate with previous colleagues, et cetera, whether those uh, values actually live and breathe within City Fiber as a business. 
And one of the things that you know I can say after you know coming up to two years now um, is that those cultures are really alive. All my interactions across the business, um, uh, whether they've been uh, difficult interactions or whether they've been uh, you know great opportunity type interactions, they've always been consistent. And everyone, one of the things that I think is really uh, important in the business is that we have this thing where we have everyone's back, and it really enables us to be truly a challenger in helping improve the customer experience, the network experience for our customers, because we have that kind of those kind of values behind us. So I think from my perspective, um, it's been a really good time to join City Fiber, um, a great opportunity within the industry. But again, it's just the values that have been brought into the business and li are, li are living through the business today, which I find so encouraging. So, so listen, one of the final questions now, um, City Fiber have some fairly strong uh, values uh, as part of their brand. Um, and I think one of the ones we pride ourselves on are leaving a legacy. Uh, it's a, both a statement about personal and also as an organisation. But perhaps I'd turn it over to you. I mean, what sort of legacy do you guys want to leave? What do you want City Fiber to leave? Yeah, I think for me, it's a bit of a personal one. You know, being part of City Fiber, it's being part of that story. Um, knowing in some way, shape and form, we're contributing to the whole government agenda, which is the levelling up one at the moment, it's kind of really powerful. You know, 5G is going to be around for a long time. Being part of that evolution, yeah, that, uh, that feels good, actually, from a, from a personal standpoint. But actually, you're right, Mark, the legacy infrastructure is going to be here for decades and helping our customers get off you know, historic uh, legacy infrastructure onto modern infrastructure that's going to enable them to transform their business for the next 10 or 20 years is probably a key goal and uh, and that kind of exciting. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So, I mean, UK PLC is really important. I think, you know, we've had uh, quite a tough uh, few years from an economic perspective and being able to help the UK be ready for um, hopefully the recovery, the growth of that in what we're doing and that leveling up is going to be really, really fundamental. Um, I think for me also, just the, the, you know, we touched on it earlier, but the environmental aspect of what it is that we are doing um, in being, you know, as environmentally uh, considerate as possible in the way that we're building the network, which is, you know, 100% optical, is going to be really, really important. Um, and then outside of that, I, hopefully no parent will ever have to answer the question from their child, which is why is the internet so slow? <laughs> uh, and uh, we resolved that one once and for all. So listen, Steve, Andrew, thanks so much for talking to us today. It's been a really good opportunity to sort of catch up and understand uh, what our city fiber has to play in mobile battle. Um, if any of our listeners want to find out more, um, please go to cityfiber.com to get in contact with us. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Thank you, Mark.